There you go. This morning, we are going back to the book of Romans. If you want to have a read along, turn to the first verse of chapter 5, and it's a good thing that we'll be turning there. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world, as, as I'm sure you noticed. And, and the days when we are sitting under these restrictions with the masks on in church, um, it, it is. It's a mood kill, isn't it? It's a buzz kill. Um, there's sort of a, a thing that is... Um, lost, an, an intimacy, uh, an ease. Um, and so on a day like this, isn't it good that God's Word has got such wonderful encouragements for us? There's a few times in the book of Romans where as we progress through this big line of thought, this big argument that the Apostle Paul is making for us to convince us down to the very core of our heart that God's love is for His people, um, that salvation is by faith, that we really can know Him and enjoy Him, um, that every now and then we sort of stop and there are these moments where we sort of pause for a second and, and the argument doesn't continue so much as, as we begin to revel in the, in the implications, in the good things that have come about through what we have heard thus far. The beginning of Romans chapter 5 is one such moment. Um, writing, writing it this morning, I was getting, um, well, not this morning, sorry, writing it this week, I was <laughs> a bit of a pe- peering behind the, <laughs> don't look behind the curtain. Um, that there, there's this, uh, I, I was getting excited thinking, this is probably going to be the longest sermon I've ever preached, in which case you, you, you balk. And then I, in a moment of wisdom, looked back at the preaching roster again and found out, we're sitting here for two weeks. Um, so you get half the sermon this week and half the sermon next week, which makes things um, a bit more uh, manageable. But I can't wait to share this with you. Romans has been building for us this wonderful thing. Um, to put you back in, in mind, because it's been a while, we, we paused and we looked at heaven for a bit. Um, Romans has been building for us the core truths of Christianity, the message, um, the message that we need to hear most urgently to understand the Christian faith. We've started with the problem of sin, that the, the human race has rebelled against God, and now everything is broken, don't we know it? Uh, we, we know it when we sit there in masks, we know it when we're, when we're praying for our loved ones who are in hospital or waiting to get into hospital, we know it when we, we feel um, the problems of this world. It doesn't work like it should, there's something wrong. It happened this way because the human race rebelled against God and now everything is broken. And what is more, we all stand with the impending peril of the coming wrath of God who is going to judge all sin. That's the bad news. And since announcing that to us, Paul has been expounding the good news for us to understand that there is a solution to the problem of sin. The first piece of that is to answer the question, how is it that we sinful humans can be reconciled to God And the answer has come through loudly and clearly. How can we be saved? We are saved by grace and through faith in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved not by works, but through Jesus and His works on our behalf. Those who entrust themselves to Jesus the Savior are made right with God. They are justified. That's what that word means. And now, here at the beginning of Romans chapter 5, we shift if we are saved in this way, just, just pause for a moment and consider it. If salvation is by faith, what does salvation by faith do? What does it change? What are the implications of it? What does the life of faith look like? Do you understand? If, if salvation is by works, that would have one set of implications. That would create a certain sort of condition in us and in our world. And if salvation is by faith, it creates a different set of conditions. What would it look like if salvation were by works, by our doing, by our goodness? It would look like the strong getting stronger, 
the weak getting weaker and remaining weak. It would look like us having uncertainty of our standing with God. We would be constantly trapped under the question, have I done enough good works to win God's favour? It may create hard work in some. If, if salvation is by works, we think, well, doesn't that going to motivate me to do good works? Isn't that a good thing? Yes, it will motivate hard works. Don't we know it? When the Jehovah's Witnesses come door knocking, they believe in salvation by works. They are working their way to heaven every time they knock on your door. It does motivate them in a sense. But that hard work would be matched either by arrogance and self-righteousness, or it would be matched by a constant said of dread, a constant sense of dread. But salvation is not by works. We know that. It's been made abundantly clear to us. Salvation is not by works. Salvation is by grace and through faith. And what does that create? We read of it in Romans chapter 5. Why don't you read with me? Therefore, you feel that? Because, as a result of, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we've been made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we have been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. How's that for fire? Like a, like a master jeweler, right? D displaying his wares for some rich client to kind of, you know, you picture the, the felt cloth with, the, he's got the rubies on it one by one, and the, you get the, the cool eye thing on that I've always wanted to use. I've never seen one. And you get to examine them under the light and make sure that they're of, Precious enough character, like a master jeweler waiting for his wares to be perused. This passage holds out to us a number of facets of God's grace for our joy to examine and delight in, in the light of Christ. Let's pick them up one by one, shall we? And examine them. Because salvation is by grace, therefore, we have all these things in our lives and in our future. I pulled out six. And this is when I was still thinking I was preaching one sermon. You guys are just going to have to deal with a six-point sermon. We'll do three today. We'll do three next week. But here's the six. Because salvation is by grace, because we have been justified through faith in Jesus, we have peace with God. We have standing in grace. We have rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. 
we have rejoicing in sufferings. We have elevated security and assurance. And we have a rejoicing in God himself, having been reconciled to him. It's going to take us two weeks. What a wonderful two weeks. Why don't we pick up the first jewel? Because we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Do you have peace with God this morning? Do you, do you know through faith in Jesus that God is at peace with you? Once we were at enmity with God, we were his enemies. Once God had a righteous hostility towards us, we, we sat under the impending coming judgment that was true. But now we are at peace. He is no longer the judge we fear. We are no longer his enemies. We are at peace. The brooding threat of his judgment has been removed to such an extent that that is no longer a part of your relationship with him and never will be again. What we should expect from God now that we have peace with him is that we should expect him to treat us favorably. His disposition towards us is peaceful. Have you ever been to the beach during a, a violent storm and seen what the wind does to the coastline? Like one of, one of the big ones? The, the, the wind blowing, the sand is being kicked up by the winds to the point where if it wasn't for the stinging salt in your eyes, the stinging sand gets you to close them. The, the palm trees are doing that thing where they kind of go 45 degrees and you wonder how they're still trees and not kindling. The, the sea is, is, is whipped into a froth and then some mad lad is out there on a surfboard being like, this is, this is the life, righteous. And then have you ever been back to that same beach, that same place during the calm? At sunrise, where the, the first rays of the sun over the horizon have turned the sea into clear glass. The, the waves are, are a see-through see window. The birds are singing. There is still, and there is calm. If you are approaching God through faith in Jesus, his wrath for your sin has been diverted and snuffed out in the sun. And all that remains between you and him is peace. And therefore, since we have been justified through faith in Jesus, we have peace with God. Some people have the mental image in their mind of God as the, the big angry policeman in the sky. It's a real problem. Some versions of Christianity have left even the saved with a constant foreboding worry that God is suddenly going to turn on them and the storm will start again. They live each day in fear of God, not fear, not holy reverent fear, fear of God's judgment. God does have wrath. We do not deny that the storm exists. That is part of who he is. But that storm is not for his children. 
His anger has been turned away from us and resolved. It was fully and finally laid on Christ at the cross who took it to the grave on our behalf. On him, our sin was laid. And the storm has vented its fury on an appropriate substitute. And we have peace. That's all that's left, peace. We are at peace with God. God is at peace with us. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. If salvation was by works, we would never know this peace. We would never be certain of this peace. We would never be confident of this peace. But salvation is by faith. And because of what Jesus has done, we know that we have peace with God. Brothers and sisters, if you call on the name of Jesus Christ as Savior, God is for you. He is not your enemy. He does not look down on you in constant judgment and anger. He is favorable towards us. We are at peace. Have you ever watched those terrible TV shows where the, um, it's like the bad neighbor TV shows, the reality TV, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't watch them, but sometimes I watch them. The, the constant, the constant, we have, we have a neighbor who, who just was, is excellent at calling counsel over small things. Have you, got, have you got one of those? Doesn't matter, I won't point to which direction of the fence that neighbor belongs to. That is not our relationship with God. We are at peace. We are welcome. He is friendly towards you. Do you know this this morning? If you are a Christian, God is at peace with you. But you object. But I still sin. Correct. And God is at peace with you. You stand forgiven because you have been justified. Your sins in the past your sins in the present and your sins in the future were all taken to the cross. Believe the word of God. We have peace with him. He has bought it for us. Because salvation is by grace, we have peace with God and we also have a standing in grace. How good is this? Um, this picture. The solid ground under our feet, because salvation is by faith alone, the solid ground under our feet is grace. It's the foundation that we build everything on. It's the, it's the, the load-bearing thing that the whole structure rises up from. Have you been to the city recently and seen one of these giant skyscrapers that's going up and the, the hole that they dig in the ground, which is the size of several buildings before they put the building in the ground? They're laying the foundations that will support this whole structure that will tower up into the sky. The solid ground of our lives, of our existence, of our future, of our being, for the Christian who comes to God through Jesus is grace itself. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. There is grace in God. Do you know what, do you know what grace is? Grace is when God treats us better than we deserve. Mercy is when God doesn't give us what we deserve. And grace is when he gives us more than we deserve. There is a general grace of God which is experienced by the whole human race. Do you know this? God, God is gracious towards the human race. There are, there are blessings that he undeservedly gives to everyone who has ever lived. God does not immediately and finally punish sin. So, Yesterday, a murderer somewhere on this planet murdered somebody. And today that murderer is still alive. That's a grace of God. 
that person has not been fully and finally and immediately punished for sin. God is patient with the whole human race. The crops grow and the birds sing and the whole lot of us get to enjoy it. The rain falls on both the godly and the ungodly. These are examples of God's general grace, which is experienced by the entire human race at all times. And that is not what this means. We have obtained access into a grace in which we stand, a grace which we did not have access to before we were God's children, but now through Jesus, we have gained access to this grace. Do you feel that difference? This is God's special grace for the redeemed. And if you are coming to God through Jesus Christ, that's you. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have obtained access into this grace on which we stand. And now not only do we have access to this, this is where we stand. This is the bedrock of our lives. We live here in God's special graces for his children. He is determined to bless you, not like he blesses all people, but especially. Again, this is because we have been justified by faith. How do we get access to God's special grace? It was not because we have worked our ways here. We didn't win it. It is a gift from God that he gladly shares with all who approach him through the Son. Do you want access to this kind of grace? The door is Jesus. And on the other side of this door is the blessings of God. And now grace is the anthem of our lives. Not only do we have peace with God, not only do we have the absence of the expectation of judgment, but we have obtained access into a grace, an abundance, a gift, an overflowing generosity from God, which we could never have were it not for Jesus, but now we have it. The whole of our existence stands upon the firm foundation that we are the beneficiaries of God's merciful kindness, His loving faithfulness, his long suffering, his covenant keeping endurance. Out of all the peoples of the earth, he has determined to love you. The hands that flung the stars into space are now determined to treat us better than we deserve. And when God determines to do a thing, who can dissuade him? This theme is actually going to be expanded for us again next week. But just just from this alone, we should be believing that for the Christian, God's grace is the anthem of our lives. We live in his grace and here we stand. Each and every day, not only can I hope to experience God's blessing, I can expect it. Now, look, don't, don't misunderstand me. To exist in God's grace, to exist in God's blessing, does not remove us from the fact that we live in a fallen world. Yes, we still experience hardships. But here, because I stand on grace, I have been set free. I have been set free from needing to do the things that grace has provided. For example, I can be wrong. Ask Elise, she'll she'll disagree with this. I can be wrong and I can admit it. Why? Because I've got nothing to lose. Because I stand on grace. If the bedrock of my life is not deserving, but abundant, overflowing generosity from God, 
then I have nothing to lose in my flaws and admitting that they exist, which is good news because they exist whether I admit them or not. I can grow. I can grow because the motivation to hide and to stay stagnant has been removed. What am I hiding from? Why, do we, why is it that we do the Adam and Eve thing? Why, why do we go fig leaf when we sin? What are we hiding from? The problem that you are hiding from has been removed. And so now I can grow. I don't feel worthy. I am not worthy. Both of those things are true at the same time. I don't feel worthy and I am not worthy. But I don't stand on my own worth. I stand on grace and Jesus is worthy. I have obtained access into this kind of grace. I stand here through faith in Jesus. He's going to expand it later. If, if God, when we were sinners, gave us his son. If God, when we were sinners, gave us his son. Now that we have been reconciled to him. What will God give us? If God gives his enemies his son, what does God give his children? Since we have been justified by faith, we have obtained access into this grace on which we stand. Last one. I've got the others here. We can keep going if you get excited. We'll find out how we're doing. Hey, gorgeous. <laughs> if I didn't know better, I'd say that's a nappy emergency. <laughs> Since we have been justified by faith, we have a rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. We have a rejoicing in the hope of the glorious God. Progress check. We're in verse 2. How good is Romans 5? More good news. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. As we, as we keep going through to verse 11, what you're going to find out is that joy is a big theme in this passage. It's a big theme in the Bible in general, more so than we tend to realize. We rejoice. We have joy. That's what that word means. Why? What is it that is the cause of our rejoicing? What is the source of our joy as Christians because of something we don't have yet. We rejoice in a hope. I hope. Like Paul says, who hopes for what they already have? That's not what hope is about. However, there's another distinction we need to understand this word properly. Hope in the New Testament isn't about wishful thinking or naive optimism. I think my favorite heresy book is the one called the, the, the Secret. Have you known this? It's, it's like positive thinking and the universe will give you what you want. Um, and the, the people who believe this are very, very good at positive thinking because it's unbelievably stupid. Um, that is not the Christian hope. Think happy thoughts. That's Peter Pan. That's what that is. <laughs> the hope of the New Testament is about anticipating a coming certainty. Sometimes we hope for uncertain things. I mean, Mike was up here with all of the enthusiasm in the world, waiting for the English soccer team to bring it home, and we, we all saw how that went. My, my favourite uh, joke that I saw was said that um, the English soccer team left the competition the way that they entered it, on their knees. 
It's pretty good? All right. Next time. No, we, we hope as Christians in a coming certainty, a certainty. There are things that we look forward to that are not uncertain. So my daughters have become convinced, with help from their parents, that if they go to bed early on the night before a big day, the day will come sooner. The sooner you fall asleep, the sooner it's your birthday, right? What are they feeling lying in bed that night or early afternoon, depending on how convincing you are? What is going through their joy-besotted minds as they lie on their pillow anticipating their birthday? Hope based on a future certainty. Tomorrow is their birthday, I promise it. And because they are the children of Elise Maloney, they will experience the kind of love that would make us all jealous. Tomorrow is going to be amazing. And because tomorrow is going to be amazing, I am joyful today. That's the Christian hope. It's not uncertain. This, this, this coming blessing isn't isn't a thing which wavers in the distance. It's not, it's not the mirage on the horizon. It's not the, the if maybe. It's not the we can go if the weather is good. It is a certainty and we rejoice in a kind of hope-fueled certainty. And what is it that we are certain of? We are certain of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Specifically, what that means is not just that God is glorious. He is. It's not just God's own glory that we rejoice in. We rejoice in the hope that we will share in God's glory. Not that we will become God, but that we will become like Him in our glorification. So we, we spent a lot of time in the book of Romans thus far talking about justification, the, the process of being made right with God. That's one of the important parts of the salvation package. But implied in justification is our sanctification, our being made holy as we progress through the course of this life. And implied in our justification is our coming glorification when we will be made like him. The Jesus whom we saw, risen from the dead, speaking with his apostles in the upper room, inhabits a glorious heavenly body, which is our true home. We will be made like him. The Jesus who has saved us, who has justified us by faith, is coming back again to take us to himself and then to make us like him. It's not uncertain. This is your forever home. And that, that's part of our joy. That's part of our rejoicing in the present. We rejoice right now, today. We have joy right now, today, because we will be, as a matter of certainty, as the basis, on the basis of being justified by faith, that day is coming when something of God's own glory will be shared with us. And we've just had a sermon series about this as we looked into heaven. It's going to be beyond amazing then, but the knowledge that that is coming changes today. The process has already begun. You are not the person that you were yesterday by the grace of God, and that process is welling, spring within you, welling up into eternal life. The room is filling. 
The waters are rising, the waters of the glory of God, and one day you will be from head to toe saturated like him. The afflictions of the fall that we experience in our body, they're temporary. It's just a matter of time. And so today rejoice that that knee that doesn't work like it should will be fixed. There is a day coming when faith shall be sight and when sin will have nothing to do with your nature. It's, it's inconceivable, isn't it? That there's a day coming when sin will not be a part of who I am. How, like, how long and how hard do we labor and struggle against our sinful impulses? Every day we wake up and we go to war by God's grace on our sin, but it's a war. It is so easy to do wrong and so hard to do right. That is not your home. There is a day coming and it is your eternal destination when it will be your first impulse to honor God at all times. Where showing kindness and mercy and selflessness will be your nature. Where sin will be unthinkable. Where loving others as you love yourself will just be a description of you. Where loving the Lord your God will be your oxygen. When the fight will be done and the reward will come. There is a day coming, that day is a certainty. And so today, rejoice, celebrate. The war is won and we're waiting for the ticket home. I'll stop, we'll save some for next week. We have been justified by faith. Everyone who has come to God through Jesus has been justified by faith. And because justification is by faith, we have all these things and more in our everyday life. These wonderful jewels, these wonderful privileges. Regardless of what this week, regardless of what the rest of today is going to look like, why don't you keep one of these in mind as you head into your day, as you head into your week. God is at peace with you. We stand on grace and we rejoice in a certain hope that we will be like him. And there's more to come. Let's pray. Father, we need your joy. We need joy from you. You are the happy God, the God who is forever blessed. We thank you that you share your happiness with us. Lord, the happiness that you give us isn't the, the skin-deep, giddy kind of happiness. It is the deep, soul-satisfying, enduring joy that you yourself have had forever. We thank you for this joy because we need it. Lord, there's, there's something in me that just gets caught up in the problems of this world and gets down. Can't see past the horizon. Can't see what is coming. I don't know like you know what is coming tomorrow. But thank you that I have these treasures. Thank you. <laughs> Justification is by faith or else I'd be lost but because it is by faith that 
Romans 5 is a description of my life. Lord, I want peace with you, and I'm glad that I have it. And for those here today who who doubt that they are at peace with you, show them that either it is true because they are yet to be reconciled, and how it is so easy for them to be saved by Jesus. So simple for them to place their faith in the all-sufficient Saviour. Or else just convince our hearts of hearts that we have believed a lie, that the blood of Jesus has lost its power. Lord, to be under your wrath is terrible. And I thank you so much that it is possible to have the certainty that that wrath is not for me. I thank you that you have sent Jesus to rescue me. Lord, we thank you that you have chosen to provide us with your many blessings. Teach me to stand on them. Teach me what it is to have as the bedrock of my life, not works, but grace. Show me what it is to be a a tower of grace, built on the firm and unchanging foundation of your kindness to us through Jesus. Lord, and let this salvation have its proper work in me. Make my soul happy in you. Teach me to delight in the God who loves me. Lord, we don't see it all yet. It's coming. It's a hope. And let that hope infuse today. Would heaven begin now in a sense? Would I begin to experience the life of your kingdom as you, as you work in me now, in here? And each sanctifying, sin-combating moment that I choose to lay down myself and serve you, in, in each part of your creation that I see your glory displayed and I look forward to a day where you, even your creation will redeemed, a sunrise in heaven, what will that be like? Lord, give me your joy, and would that joy have its effect in me? Would it fuel the life of godliness that you've called me to live? We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, because it is him who was crucified. It was him who rose again from the dead. It is him who has sent the Spirit to live in me. It is him in whom we are saved. We thank you for that good news this morning.